I'm full and running over with his presence. Amen and amen. I want to talk to you a few minutes about a subject that is often misunderstood and misused and abused in church. Most everybody will say they need more money. Most everybody, almost everybody wants more money. And most will say they need some more. But when it comes to talking about money in church, everybody does this. (laughs) All they want is my money. Not so. At least not here. Matter of fact, we didn't receive an offering a while ago. She did the announcements and they showed the video, but people started bringing money. We didn't mention taking an offering or receiving the tithe. So some of y'all know that's something you're supposed to do because God said it. Amen? But it has been abused and misused in churches so much that people shut down. You know, people don't even go to church because they think all they want is your money. There are people that won't go to church today across this nation, around the world, because they think that's all it's about. I want to tell you, that's not what it's all about. But I do want to tell you this. Don't miss this statement. Listen very carefully. Where you get a revelation, the devil cannot defeat you. Where you get a revelation... The devil cannot, shall not, will not be able to defeat you. For instance, how many are saved today? You're on your way to heaven. You know that if you died right now, you would go to heaven. Thank God. You know why? Because you got a revelation about John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to him. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you may not have a revelation in anything else in this book. You may not know much more about this word. You may not know about faith and healing and miracles and breakthrough and turnaround and all of those things. But if you got a revelation about salvation, you are no longer hell bound. You may struggle and battle from time to time. You may fall, but you know that if you confess your sins, if you repent, he will save you. He will forgive you. And you know that you are going to heaven. So you have a revelation about salvation and you plan to make it to heaven. Am I right? Sanctification. When you get a revelation about sanctification, you don't struggle like you used to struggle with sin, with temptation, with lust, with addictions, with whatever it is. Because in John 17, he said, sanctify them through his word. His word is true. So when you get saved and you're dealing with all these sins and all these troubles and all these temptations, and then you start praying and the Holy Spirit sanctifies you, and it is, I believe it's a definite work and it's also a progressive work. I believe there's a moment you get sanctified, but that doesn't mean you will never struggle again or never have a temptation again. You might. 
And that's why progressive sanctification continues to work on you. The Holy Spirit convicts you. So I believe it's twofold. I believe it's a definite work and it's a progressive work. And some folks struggle more than others. But when it, it has to do with the way you receive the Word of God and the way you think. I don't have time to preach all that today. That'll, I'll come back for another time for that. But when you get the revelation that He will sanctify you, then the things that used to tempt you, you can throw them away. You might have been an alcoholic. You might have smoked marijuana. You, you might have smoked cigarettes. You might have been chasing skirts. You might have been addicted to gambling. I don't know what your temptation, your trial, your battle was, but after you got saved, at some point, you got sanctified. Hopefully you got sanctified. Maybe you're still working on your testimony. I don't know. But if you are, you can be sanctified, and the attack of the enemy does not have the same power over you that it once had when you get sanctified. So when you get a revelation that he will help you and he builds a hedge of protection around you and he will keep you and the Holy Spirit lives in you, everything changes. When you get a revelation about fear, because the devil uses fear very successfully against people of God. 365 times in the Bible, the word says, fear not or don't be afraid. One for every day of the year. And when you get a revelation that you don't have to be afraid because John 4 says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, then you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of trouble. You don't have to be afraid of financial loss. You don't have to be afraid of sickness or disease or cancer. You don't have to be afraid that somebody's going to come and kill you because you have been protected by the power of the Holy Spirit and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So you don't have to have sleepless nights laying there afraid. My point is when you get a revelation about a certain or a particular thing in your life, when you get that aha moment, oh, I understand. This is what the Bible says. When you get that, no longer will the devil destroy you in that area. He cannot defeat you there anymore. Hosea 4, 6 says this. My people, God says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, what you don't know will hurt you. What you don't know can defeat you. He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. Some people, not only do they not have it, they've rejected when it comes to them. Just like today when I said money a while ago, when, I, when the screen says the mystery of money, some of you went, I don't want to hear about that. Nope, 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 nope. Okay, stay broke. Stay in poverty. Stay in lack. That's not God's plan for you. And I want, to, I want to give you a revelation today that will change your financial future and the way you think about resources that God has for you. But you will be destroyed because of lack of knowledge. God wants you to know what his word says. This might be some people. Haggai 1 verse 6. You have sown much. Somebody said, that's me. And I bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. 
And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. How many would say you've been at that situation at least one time in your life? You, you did everything. You did the right things. You were sowing, but, but it seemed like what you got back was little. You were eating, but you didn't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled. You have clothes to go on your back, but it's not enough. It's not plenty. You, you think that I, I'm warm, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm covered, but I'm not warm. And, and I'm earning wages. I'm, I'm going to work, and I'm getting money. I'm bringing it in. But when I put it in the bank, it seems like before I can, before I can pay the bills, there's not enough left. That's in the Bible. And the devil wants to keep you right there. He wants you to stay there. He wants you to accept that that's just the way it is. And a few people are blessed and a few people have plenty. But for the most of us, that's, we just make it from day to day, from week to week. We just barely get by. We don't have enough money left at the end of the month. There's always more month left over when the money is gone. That's us. That's the people of God. That's, that's the people in the church. The devil lies. He tells you that. He peddles that in churches across the country. And a lot of churches won't even talk about finances because there has been such a negative connotation about money. But if you go out to lunch after this service today to a restaurant Guess what? They want your money. If you think you're going to waltz into some restaurant at the mall or at Hamilton Place or you go to Hickson or wherever you might go and you think you're going to order something and have some good food and then just get them and say, thank you very much, and check out, they're going to get your number. You might get by with that once or twice, but they will arrest you. They want your money. And if you need a, a new winter coat for the, for the storm that is coming, and maybe you don't have something warm enough, maybe you moved here from Africa, I don't know, and it's going to be 9 degrees or 6 degrees in a couple days, and so you need a coat because you have to go outside. You can't just go over to the mall and pick one out and wave on the way out and say, thank you very much. It doesn't work that way. They want your money. And God has set up and orchestrated a process in the kingdom of God whereby we pay our tithe and we give an offering so that there will be meat in his house to do ministry. I'll get to that in just a little bit. But if this is you, if you have been sowing but you reap little and everything that you've earned, it seems like you put it in a bag with holes, I have good news for you today. I want to show you something from the scripture that will change your life. I want to give you revelation and insight so the devil will no longer defeat you in the area of finances. Somebody say amen. Because as I said, most people want more money. Most need more. For instance, if I ask you right now, how many of you could lift your hand and say, if somebody dropped 50000 in your account tomorrow. It was wired into your account, and when the banks opened on Tuesday morning because they're closed tomorrow for Martin Luther King Jr. Day, if you found out that you had an extra $50,000 in your account Tuesday morning, how many of you, that, that would help? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> 
I need to ask that question again. That got you really up. Well, those that are receiving it right now, declaring in decree, and it may be there, I'll tell you what, because Job 22 said, declare a thing that it might be established for you. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a revelation today because where you get a revelation, the enemy cannot defeat you. So here's what I want to tell you. Start off. I want to tell you money is not evil. Contrary to popular belief, contrary to what has been perpetuated among people, even in churches, money is not evil. That is not what the Bible says. The scripture is right there under you, uh, under that to, to clarify for you in 1 Timothy 6.10. It says, for the love of money. It did not say money is the root of all evil. That's not what it says. Money is not evil. I want you to say that with me. Money is not evil. It may go against your grain, but you want more. And most of you need more. You just don't like to talk about giving it away. You want it to come to you. And I'm going to tell you today how to get it to come to you. Oh, you don't believe me. When I got the revelation, I became a magnet for money. Money comes. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said, when I got the revelation about what God wants us to understand what he wants us to know about finances, I became a magnet. People give me money. Oh, some of y'all don't like that. We got to keep the preachers poor. Somebody, Sunday before last, gave me $100 as they went out the front door. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Put it in my pocket. And then, wait, 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 wait. And then, this is why God gives me money. And then, about two minutes later, somebody came by. And the Lord said, that $100 was for them. And I didn't hold on to it and say, no, no, no. I didn't do that. I just pulled it out and said, the Lord want me to give you this today. I'm a conduit. And your Bible says that he gives seed to a sower. So when you're a conduit and it flows through your hands... So you can bless somebody else because that's the way God gets money to people through other people. I don't have a tree in my backyard that has money growing on it. I don't. But people hear from God and give money to me. And then I will disperse it and distribute it as the Lord says. And a lot of times there's some left to keep because he says that's yours. This is theirs. That's yours. This is theirs. So here's what 1 Timothy 6 says. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith because of their greediness, and they pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Look at your neighbor and just ask him a question. Say, are you greedy? Ask him right now. I want to know. What did they say? Well, they're going to say no. Oh, no, 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 not me, not me. No, I'm a giver, I'm a giver, I'm a giver. Uh-huh. So I want you to get this in your spirit today. I want you to get this revelation. No matter what you've heard, the scripture is right here in front of you to prove it. Money is not evil. The love, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. When you love money more than you love God, 
When you love and you want money and you desire money more than you love God and the things of God and the people of God, you have a problem then. But money itself, money is only a tool. How do I go back? There we go. Money is only a tool. It is not good or evil in and of itself. It's only a tool. It's a medium of exchange. It's something that we use to buy and to sell. Money can become anything. It can become tires for your car. It can become a house payment. It can become a car payment. It can become groceries to go on your table. Now watch this. Money takes on the spirit of the one who possesses it. That's why it's not good or evil in and of itself. It is only a tool. It's just a medium of exchange. Before there was money, many times they would barter and trade what they had. They would trade eggs for milk or milk for eggs. And then over time, people began to trade their labor, their time for something, for money. So money is a tool. And in our culture, in our society, we need money as a medium, as exchange, as a tool to buy the things that make the world go round, that make our life go round. You, you want to buy a house, you have to have money. You want to rent a house, you want to live in a house, you have to have some money. If you, want to, if you want a tent to live outside, you need some money to buy that tent. If you want some food to eat, you can grow some food, but you've got to wait a while. It's seed, time, and harvest. So if you plant something to eat in the springtime, you don't get it tomorrow. There are some crops that spring up fairly quickly, a few weeks, a few months. Some take a long time. There, there are some that become a perpetual harvest, but it takes years for them to get there, like an apple tree, like pecan trees, like orange trees. You can plant them. And you don't get a harvest in six weeks or six months. You may not have one in six years, but after some period of time, maybe three years, five years, ten years, I don't know. I'm not an orange grower. But I know that after a while they grow, and then they bear fruit year after 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 year, but you only planted one time. So there are different kinds of harvest. And so if you want food, you have, to, you have to pay for the food. You have to buy the food. Somebody grew it. Somebody brought it to the store. Somebody sells it at the store and so on. Tires, cars, whatever you need, your clothes. I mean, you could, you could have some animals and you could raise the animals and then you could kill them and skin them or you could shave the sheep and you could make some wool. You could make some clothes for you, but that doesn't happen overnight. It is a process. So in our culture, in our society, how many would agree that we need money to buy the things that make the world go round, life go round. So is that evil? Is that bad? No. Money is only a tool. Money can be in the hand of a gambler, a drug addict, somebody selling drugs, in the hand of a murderer today, and that same $20 bill could be in your hand tomorrow. And you don't know where it was yesterday or last week or last month unless it's a $1 bill. If it's a $1 bill, when they get to the end of their life, the $1 bill says to the 20, the 5, the 10, the 50, the 100, says, where are you guys from? 
and the 5, the 10, the 15, the 20, or the, the 20, I guess there's a $15 bill, is there? The 5, the 10, the 20, the 50, and the 100, they start talking to the $1 bill and say, oh, I've been all over the world. I've been in the finest restaurants, the finest clubs. I've been in every restaurant around the world. I've been in the finest places, the finest sports arenas. I've been in all those places. And they look back at the $1 and say, where have you been? He goes, church, 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 church. You're laughing because you know it's true. Oh, here comes the offering. Where have you got a dollar? <laughs> so money is not evil. I want you to get that in your spirit. Money takes on the spirit of the one who possesses it. The problem begins when we love money more than honoring God. Money is not evil. Here's what God says about money in Ecclesiastes 10:19. Money answers everything. Money answers all things. That's what your Bible says about money. I was in a bank one day and I was showing this to a banker in his office. He said, I never heard that. I said, well, let me, do you have a Bible? Let me show you. And I found it and opened it and I showed it to him. And he said, he took the Bible. He went around and he started going around to the other offices. He went to all the tellers. He said, look, look what the Bible says. Money answers everything. And again, how many of you, if you had more money, you'd have less problems today, right now? There's some, how many have some problems today that money would answer? Come on, wave at me. If you have some problems today that money, look at, just hold them up and look around. You see? Money is not evil. It is the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. So where does that leave us? I'm glad you ask. It was God's plan for you and me to invest in the kingdom of God. You want the latest tip on, on the stock market and you want to invest in the stock market so you can, you want to find the best piece of land, the best area that's about to grow so you can invest in that area and buy some land and hold it and then your, your money will increase because you made a good investment. We look for investments in life. Why not invest in the kingdom of God? Deuteronomy 8.18 says this, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He, it is God, who gives you the power to get wealth. You have to remember the Lord your God, for it is God who gives you the power to get wealth. Why does he give you the power to get wealth? So that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. When you understand, when you get the revelation that God does not want you to be broke. Now, I'm not going to tell you that God wants everybody here to be a multimillionaire, a multi-billionaire, multi trillionaire. I'm not going to tell you that. I don't believe that. But here's what I do believe. I believe that God wants all of us to be blessed. I believe that God wants all of us to have increase. I believe God wants all of us to be able to pay our bills, to pay our to have, have enough money not only to pay our bills, but to bless others. I believe he wants us to have enough to leave an inheritance to our children and our grandchildren. The Bible says he wants us to leave a heritage for our children's children. So how can we do that if we don't have enough for the month? 
How can we do that if we're just barely making it day to day or week to week? How can we do? How can we fulfill our purpose and our destiny if God wants us to invest in the kingdom and he gives us the power to get wealth? This one verse along with what we've already showed you today. But this one verse ought to give you an aha moment today. You ought to leave here today thinking, God wants me to have wealth. He wants me to have more. He wants me to have more than enough. He wants me to have plenty. He wants me to have enough to pay my bills and to bless some other people. And the truth is he does because he gave you the power to get wealth. It's right there in black and white, right in front of you. Deuteronomy 8.18, commit that verse to memory. Get it in your spirit. Ask the Lord to give you revelation, not only that you are supposed to have wealth, but how he's going to put it in your hands. And he will. I'm going to tell you some of that today. So God's plan was for us to invest in the kingdom. His plan was never for us to struggle. God's plan to fund the kingdom, to fund the church, to help advance the kingdom is not chicken dinners. It's not. Thank God for fundraisers. Thank God for groups that have raised money for building programs and for projects, yes, and to start ministries. Thank God for that. But that's not the plan. You want me to tell you something? If everybody in this room, just in this room, would start tithing 10%. This church would be out of debt in 12 months. The average church in America, only 2 to 3% of the people pay tithes. Because the devil, listen carefully, the devil has successfully sold a lie to people in churches that we are not supposed to tithe, that it's our choice, that it was an Old Testament law, and it's not relevant today, and after all, all churches want is your money. He has sold that lie successfully. If church, if if 80% of people in churches paid tithes, we would need no welfare program in America or any other country. The church could fulfill its purpose and do what we're supposed to do because we would have more than enough. God's plan is not for churches to struggle. God's plan is not for you as an individual, as a Christian, a child of God. His plan is not for you to struggle financially week after week after week. God doesn't want you to be poor. He doesn't want you to be broke. Now, I've never been poor. Pastor, that's a bold statement. Well, you've got to understand the difference between poor and broke. I've been broke many times. <laughs> but I've never been poor. That is a spirit. It is an attitude that gets on you. And if you are poor, no matter how much money comes into your hands, you're still poor. But you can be broke because you just gave it all away. I've done that many times. I've given away everything I had. 
because I got the revelation that if I gave it away, it was going to come back better, more. I got that revelation. I got that revelation as a kid. I began to tithe. My mom and dad taught me how to tithe. I watched my dad when he needed a raise, he would just start paying more tithes and money would start coming in more. Every time he needed more, he paid more and God blessed him. And and I saw that with my own eyes. So when I went to college, the first year in college, my mom and dad paid my way. They bought me a car. I was blessed. I had the silver spoon in my mouth. The end of that year, somebody stole money from my dad's business, a half a million dollars. Everybody told him to declare bankruptcy. He did not, but I want you to know the financial situation changed for the next two or three years. And so my second year in college, I didn't get any money from them. They were broke. Everything had changed. Silver Spoon was gone. It was tarnished. So I had to figure out what I was going to do. And I had learned about giving. I was a tither. I would tithe on, I would tithe on everything I had, but I learned about giving, about sowing. And so I was, the church that I was going to, they had started a new, you're gonna make, this is going to make me sound old. They started a new cassette tape ministry. Some of y'all don't know what a cassette tape is. <laughs> but some of y'all old as dirt, and you know. <laughs> and so they started a cassette tape ministry. So the Lord spoke to me and said, give $1,000. So do you think I struggled with that? Do you think I prayed and fasted for days and, oh, God, $1,000, can I do that? I'm a college boy now. I was 18 years old because I went when I was 17. I was 18. You think I struggled about paying that $1,000, giving that $1,000? How many think I struggled? Wave at me. A few of you. How many think, don't think I struggled? There's only about 12 of y'all voting, and the rest of you won't make up your mind. Well, my roommate, his dad, had a business, and I got connected with him, and money was coming in like water. My second year in college, my third year in college, my fourth year in college. After that, during those three years, I started two more businesses. Money was coming in like water. I had money. When, when the Lord spoke to me to said, give that $1,000, I wrote a check, and I went over, and I, I put it in the offering. The next day, I get a call from the pastor's secretary. I want to know if that was me, if I was the Steve Ball that had put that $1,000 in. I said, yeah. Well, the pastor wanted to thank me personally. I guess nobody was given $1,000. And, and I didn't do it to get recognition. I didn't do it to, for anything other than the Lord spoke to me to give it, and I gave it. And the next week, money, more money came. Money came back. I was blessed. It was, it was coming into my hands. Because young, I learned the revelation that when I sow, I was going to reap. I was investing in the kingdom of God. And throughout the next three years in college, I loaned people money. I gave people money. I loaned people money. I, I was walking down the hall one day, and there was a guy that was, uh, he was the, the dorm RA on, on one of the floors. And he also had a job cleaning. So he was vacuuming the halls, and he, was, he had stepped into a room. And as I walked by, the Lord spoke to me and said, give him $1,000. 
I didn't fall down on my face and cry and pray, oh, God, are you sure? I didn't put out a fleece. I went to my room. I got a check, checkbook. I wrote a check for $1,000. I didn't know his name. So I went to the room. I said, what is your name? And he told me. I, went back. I put his name in, and I came back, and then I handed him a check for $1,000. I'm not telling you this to make me sound good. I'm not telling you this to brag on what I was able to do. I'm trying to tell you I had a revelation on sowing and reaping. I had a revelation on tithing, and I was investing in the kingdom of God because it was him that gave me the power to get wealth. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said it was God that gave me the power to get wealth. And it's not just me that he wants to give the power to get wealth. He wants to bless you. He, wants to get, he has given you the power to get wealth. And if you can get the revelation and you can begin to sow, you will see God's blessings of increase and finances come into your life. And you, may, you, you will never be poor again. You may be broke sometimes, but you will never be poor. And when you get the revelation, you know how to get it. You know, some millionaires, when they become millionaires, they get the revelation. They learn how. They learn what to do. And they get, they get it, and then they lose it. And then they get it again. Then they lose it. But the key is they learn how to get it. And once you learn how to get it, the devil cannot keep it from you. Once you learn how to get it, and you have a revelation, the devil can never again defeat you. He might knock you down. You might lose a battle, but you will not lose the Lord, the war. Because God's plan for us is to invest in the kingdom. Does that help anybody? So how do we do it? Well, here's, here's the instruction. You have to get the mind of Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, change your stinking thinking. You see, where you are is not an indicator of where God wants you to be. Where you are in your finances, where you are on your spiritual journey, where you are in your faith, where you are right now is not an indication of where God wants you to be because God has a plan for your life. He doesn't want you to struggle. He wants to take you to the next level. So our thinking is the key. We become the truth that we receive. Poor is a spiritual condition. Being poor is a mindset. So then we have, to, we have to change the way that we think. Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. See, here's how we think. Oh, I'm, I'm struggling. Here's the phrase that we use with our kids. Uh, we can't afford to do that, son. I sure would like to have a car. Well, we can't afford to buy you a car. Wife says, we need a new car. This one's broke. We can't afford a new car. We can't afford new clothes. We can't afford a different house. Oh, it got quiet up in here now. We use that phrase all the time. Why would you ever say that? You're the child of the king. Jesus died on the cross so that you could have everlasting life. He came that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Why would you ever say you can't afford anything? Well, I don't have enough money. Why don't you? He gave you the power to get wealth. He's the God of too much. He's the God of abundance. He's the God of overflow. He is the God of increase. He said in Psalm, I want you and your children to increase more and more. You and your children. 
He wants you to increase. He wants to bring wealth into your hands. Why would you say, I can't afford it? I can't afford to pay tithe. I can't afford to give an offering. I'm broke. I'm poor. We're poor, son. We're poor, daughter. Well, Job 22 said to declare a thing that might be established. Everybody together say, I'm broke. But you say that, you tell your kids that we're broke. We can't afford it. We don't have enough. Why would you ever tell your children that and instill within them at a young age that there's not enough? We have to change the way that we think. So you have to stop thinking there's not enough to go around. See, the devil has peddled a lie to you that there is not enough, that only a certain people have more than enough, and the rest of us are just, you know, we get leftovers, we get the crumbs, and there's not enough. That's a lie. The God we serve is the God of abundance. He is the God of more than enough. He is the God of too much. You know, when Jacob stole Esau's birthright, he knew he had done wrong, so he ran. But he had the birthright. He had the blessing. So while he was gone, what happened? He got rich. He got blessed. Even though he had done wrong, God had given him the blessing. That's another message for another, another time. But finally, he said, I've got to go home. So when he went home, he went with all of his family and all of his kids and all of his herds. And he had sheep and goats and camels. And he had all this wealth. And he sent word that I'm coming home. And the brother that he had stolen the birthright from, he knew he was going to be meeting him and he would probably be after him and be very angry because he'd been gone for a long time. So what did he do? He sent presents and gifts ahead. He sent word that he's coming and he sent all these gifts ahead. And then when he finally encountered Esau, here's what he said. They hugged, they loved, they, they apologized. They're, I'm glad to see you again. I'm coming home. Everything's good. They made up. They kissed and made up. And then Esau said this, what are all these gifts you sent me? You sent all these, all these sheep and all these goats and all these camels. You sent all this stuff. You sent all these, these clothes, the silver, the gold. All. You sent all that stuff. Why all that? He said, well, I just wanted to bless you. I wanted to be sure you, you know. He said, here's what Esau said. I have enough. I have enough. You ought to get the revelation right there. He was blessed also. He didn't even get the birthright, but he was blessed as a child of God. He was blessed as a son of Abraham, of Isaac. He was blessed. Matter of fact, we need to practice it right now. Say this. I have enough. Say it with me. I have enough. Say it again. I have enough. Let's say this. I have more than enough. Say it again. I have more than enough. Say, I am blessed I am blessed. Increase is into my hand. I am a magnet for the resources of God. I am a magnet for the blessings of God. I am a magnet for the favor of God. I am a magnet for the provision of God. I am blessed to be a blessing. I am a tither. I am a sower. I am a giver. God's word says he gives seed to the sower. Some of y'all dropped out when we got that. Say it with me. God's word says he gives seed to the sower. We have to have the mind of Christ. So the mind of Christ is there's plenty. There's more than enough. Increases everywhere I go. 
We have, to get, we have to change the way we think. We have to stop thinking that we are going to live in lack. Lack is a spirit. Lack, lack is a spirit. Why would you say, I don't have enough, I can't afford it? I'm trying to get you to get the revelation today. We must, the way we think is the key. But see, the devil lies. He wants to make money mysterious. He wants it. He wants us to think it's hard to get and even harder to keep. He's a liar. When we tithe, we break the world system off of our money. Money has been called filthy lucre. And money can be used for evil things. Some of you thought again, yeah, it's, the, it's, it's money is evil. No, 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 no. The love of money. What do you say in 1 Timothy? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But he wants us to tithe. Oh, somebody threw that one back. Well, that was Old Testament. We don't have to tithe. I don't have to tithe. I'm going to go, show you in a minute that we do, but... Before we get to that, I want you to understand what tithing does. When you tithe, we break the world system off of your money and it becomes sanctified. And when you pay 10%, and, and a tithe means 10%, everybody say a dime. Just a dime out of every dollar, a dime. And some people will lose the victory over a dime. Why would you lose the victory over a dime? A dime, 10 cents, 10 pennies in a dollar. But when you tithe, when you bring 10% of what you earn, if you make $100 a week, how much is the tithe? $10. Is that hard? See, when you're at $100 a week, 10's not hard. When you get to $1,000 a week, a hundred's not too hard. But now when you get to 10000 a week, a thousand, I got to give a thousand dollars? Still a dime. When you get to a hundred thousand dollars a week and your tithe is ten thousand dollars a week, see, some people, they get all hung up on that. Well, if you get hung on that, we'll just pray that God will take you back down to a hundred dollars a week so you can just pay the ten, if that was easier. It's still a dime. But the word tithing has several meanings. Number one, it means 10%. But did you know that tithe means that which is given to God in faith for God to destroy the spirit of the world off of it? That which is given to God for destruction. So when you pay tithes on that dollar or $10 or 100 or 1000 or whatever, when you pay tithes on that, God destroys the spirit of the world that was on it before you got it. That's why he wants you to pay your tithe first. I don't even have time to preach today. See, some people, they wait to see if they got any left to pay their tithe. But if you pay it first, then he sanctifies the 90% that you have left. 
And when he sanctifies that, the 90%, watch this, the 90% will go farther than the 100% if you had not had tithe on it. I, I, I can't understand it. Mathematically, it doesn't make sense. But I promise you, tithers will lift your hand and say, it works. It works. If I pay, if I pay my tithe, if I have $100 and I pay $10 and I have 90 left, the 90 will, I can buy more with that $90 than I could have bought with 100 if I had not had paid tithes. How many tithers would say yes, 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 and amen? It works. Because God makes it work. He is the God of multiplication. He is the God of increase. He is the God of revelation. So when we pay our tithe, it breaks the spirit of the world off of it. And it changes kingdoms. And it becomes part of the kingdom of God and the system of God. And it's supernatural. So when we tithe, we are, we're, we are in obedience to God. Somebody said, well, I don't think we're supposed to tithe. Okay, here's the scripture. Malachi 3, 8 through 11. Will a man rob God? Are there any robbers in here today? Are there any robbers? Because the Bible says, will a man rob God? And then God says, yet you have robbed me. Let me just pause right there and ask you a question. If you have something that you are in possession of and somebody takes it from you, what did they do? They stole it from you, right? They robbed it from you. What does the Bible say in the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20 about stealing, robbing, taking? What, is it, what does it say? Thou shalt not steal. Now, if somebody steals from you, have they committed sin according to Exodus 20? If you believe they committed sin, wait, raise your hand at me. It's not a trick question. I'm not receiving an offering yet. <laughs> if somebody steals, have they committed a sin according to Exodus 20? Everybody vote. I'm not giving it a few hands. Y'all don't believe it's stealing? If somebody steals from you, is that not wrong? It's not only morally, morally wrong, it is a sin. Exodus 20, thou shalt not steal. He gave ten commandments. And that's not the only place in the Bible where we shouldn't take something that doesn't belong to us. Right? So, if it's wrong to steal from you, how much more would it be wrong to steal from God? Well, God understands. I needed that. Well, you wouldn't need it if you understood that he gave you the power to get wealth. And he has more than enough for you. Because when you begin to operate in that revelation and resources come into your hands, you're not struggling. Where, where are you going to get the house payment or the rent or the car payment or enough money to buy gas to get to work? You don't struggle that way week after week after week. I'm talking to somebody. I don't know who it is. I'm talking to somebody. I'm trying to get a revelation to you. I'm not trying to get your money. He's trying to get money to you, and the way he gets money to you is when you learn about sowing and reaping, about seed time and harvest. Somebody say amen. So verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way? How have we robbed you, God? And here's what God says, in tithes and offerings, not just the tithe. You didn't just keep the tithe. You've not given the offerings that you should have given. Now, we know what a tithe is. A tithe is what? 
10%. Tithe means tenth. That which is given to God for destruction, to destroy the spirit of the world off of it. But offering, how much are we supposed to give in an offering? He doesn't say, does he? He gives us a choice. Sometimes it's a lot, sometimes it's a little. But he wants us to give a seed to sow a seed. Anybody make a garden? One, two, how many? Three, four, five, oh, six, why don't, seven. Why don't I get more fruit and tomatoes during <laughs> harvest time? Harvest time is coming. Natasha, now she brings us, she, she is a tither and a sower when it comes to fruits and, and vegetables, and she is amazing. The rest of you, I'm going to be looking for more this year because I'll give it away. But it is a principle. And if you make a garden, what happens if you plant a garden the size of this stage? Let's say you plant a garden the size of this stage. What kind of harvest will you get? You get whatever you can grow on this stage. If you planted a thousand seeds up here, let's say they were all tomato plants, how many tomatoes would you get at harvest time? A thousand? If you planted a thousand tomato plants, and you can't get that many on this stage, but if you got a thousand tomato plants and planted them up here, how many tomatoes would you get from a thousand seeds? Ten thousand? A hundred thousand? How many how many tomatoes do you get on one vine in a season, Natasha? How many? A hundred? She said maybe a hundred off of one plant. So if you planted a thousand seeds, you would get a hundred thousand tomatoes. Seed time and harvest. There is a principle here. Does anybody does anybody plant ten acres or more? Anybody? Anybody grow up on a farm? Anybody on that farm? Y'all planted more than fifty acres. Right here. Anybody plant more than a hundred acres? Right there, right there, several, back there. So if you plant 100 acres or more, are you going to get just 10 acres of harvest? It's a real bad year if you only get 10 acres of harvest. And sometimes there will be a drought. Sometimes there are struggles. Sometimes there are, there are problems. Sometimes pests will come. But if you plant 100 acres, you're going to expect a good harvest, right? And farmers in this country plant thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of acres across this country and the Great Plains and in this, in this great country that we live. And we get fruit and food and harvest from that every year. But what happens if a farmer one year just decides, I can't afford to plant this year, but I'm going to get my harvest anyway. And so in the spring when all the neighbors are planting, he just stays in. And he couldn't afford. You know why he couldn't afford? Because last year at the end of the year, instead of putting his seed aside to sow, he ate his seed. So because he had no seed, he didn't plant. But when harvest time came and all the other farmers are going out to gather their harvest, he goes out on his tractor. He goes out in the field and he's looking saying, where's my harvest? Should he expect a harvest if he didn't sow? Yet, we get mad at God. I'm preaching better than you're shouting today. 
We get mad at God because we don't have enough. We don't have a harvest. We didn't get anything. We can't pay our bills, and we have not sowed one seed. If we hadn't sowed a seed, how can we get a harvest? And when you pay your tithe, he said, if you'll pay your tithe, I will rebuke the seed eater, the devourer, for your sakes. So we don't pay our tithe, and we don't sow a seed, yet we get mad at God because we don't have enough. Something's wrong. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. And you say, in what way have we robbed you? And God said, in tithe and offering. Verse 9, you are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me. Even this whole nation, they had all fallen into it. Fallen into it. Even this whole nation. So God, right there, he rebuked them. He said, you're cursed with a curse. But then he gives them another chance and he says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Start where you are. Start today. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now watch this. This is a very important phrase. God said this to us. And he says, and try me now in this. One translation says, prove me. Only time God says to prove me is in this verse. Prove me, God said. Prove me in your tithe and offering. Prove me. Bring it to me. Try me in this, said the Lord of hosts. And see if not only I will bless you, he said, but I will open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you. Somebody said he gave me the power to get wealth. Pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the enemy, the devil, the seed eater, the devourer, Satan, and any of his imps. I will rebuke them for your sakes. So not only is he giving you the power to get wealth, giving you the thought process, giving you the wisdom to make it happen. But when you get it, if you are a tither and the enemy tries to come and steal it from you so that when you gather and you put it in a bag, it seems like the bag has holes. He says, no, 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 Satan, get your hand off. He rebukes the enemy for your sake because he loves you so much. He wants to bring increase. This ought to be a 10-week series. I can't. There's so many things going through my mind that I want to tell you today. Say, Pastor, why don't you? Because when we talk about finances from the pulpit in churches, they label you, oh, all they want is your money. How many of you right now, you think that's why I'm telling you this, that we just want your money? Raise your hand. Be bold. If you believe that, just raise your hand. Ain't nobody going to raise their hand, he said. Well, then don't you go out of here saying all they want is your money. That's not what it's about. God is trying to get funds to you. God is trying to get blessings to you. He's given you the power to get wealth. He wants to bring increase into your hand. He wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing and bless some others and give revelation to others that don't know his word. I repeat what I said when I started. Where you get a revelation, the devil cannot defeat you. So we are to sow our seed, and we are to attach our faith to it. 
Galatians 6, 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he sows to his flesh, will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. It is a principle that what you sow, you will reap. If you sow anger, if you sow fear into your kids, if you sow negative things into your kids, into your family, if you have a negative attitude, if you sow profanity, if you sow hatred, whatever you sow, that will come back to you, my friend. If you sow a little bit, you're going to get more back. But if you sow a lot, you're going to get a lot, 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 lot more back. I talked about changing the way we think. Here's another thing that we need to think. You cannot outgive God. Thank you for your pitiful applause. That was about nine people. I know, I've worn you out. I've gone too long. I'm going to quit. But I wanted to get this in your spirit today. We are to sow our seed and attach our faith to it. When you get a revelation of faith, some of you in the school of Roar, you got a revelation of faith this year, last year. Some of you in the school of Roar got a revelation of leadership. Some of you got a revelation of the Holy Spirit, and he baptized you in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and the power of the Holy Spirit is operating in you like he never has before. You even led family members to the Lord through the holidays. Come on, somebody. When you get a revelation, the devil, the enemy cannot defeat you in that area. He may try to knock you down. You may have some tough times. But when you have the revelation, you ultimately you will come forth. You will overcome. You will triumph. You will walk in victory because you know what the Word of God says. So when we sow our seed and we attach our faith to it, we know that when we sow a seed, when an offering is taken, we sow our seed and God will bless us. Now tithing, I just read it to you in Malachi 3, 8 through 11. He said, bring your tithe into the storehouse. Let me just give you some clarity right here. Tithing is 10% and it should come to God's house where you are fed. Wherever that is, you should, you should pay your tithe into the house, into the, into the place of worship. Buying somebody's gas with your tithe money is not acceptable to God. Giving tithe money to another ministry, an outside ministry, a parachurch ministry somewhere is not biblical. You can sow a seed there, but not your tithe. You say, well, my tithe is so much, I, could, I, I can't just put it in one place. Oh, well, then argue with God. Because God said, bring your tithe into the storehouse. Now, sow your seed. If you want to sow your seed in other places, as long as you're sowing a portion where you are fed and where your house is, that's fine. But tithe belongs to the Lord. And some folks just think doing a good deed, you know, and paying for somebody's Starbucks in the line behind you and paying it forward is tithing. That's not tithing. It's not. But I'm generous. I give. Yeah, well, do that. But don't not pay your tithe. And somebody said, well, tithing's Old Testament anyway. Oh, well, did you read Matthew 23, 23? And let me just say this. Jesus said more about finances 
than he did about faith. He said more about money than he did about healing. He said more about money than he did about salvation. Jesus had more to say about finances than he said about any other subject because he knew we would get hung up about finances more than any other thing. But in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus was talking to the religious leaders of that day. And they said, well, we're righteous. We pay tithe of all that we get. We are religious. We pay our tithe. Look at us. Well, thank God. They should be paying their tithe. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23. He said, you should have done that. You should have done. Jesus said that. Did you hear me? Jesus said to them, you should have paid tithes. But what they were doing is paying tithes and they weren't living righteous and they weren't treating people right and they weren't humble and they weren't holy. And he said, you should have paid tithes, but you should have also done the other, not left the other things undone. Don't try to be religious because you're a tither and think you're better than everybody else because you're a tither and you not do the, the weightier things. He said, oh, the weightier things. So some folks would say, well, he wants me to be holy and righteous and good and all those things, and that's more important than tithing. Yes, it is. But he said, pay your tithe. And Jesus was a tither. He said, Pastor, how do you know? The Bible doesn't say that. Here's how I know. The religious people of that day, the haters, hated Jesus. And don't you know that if he had not been a tither, they would have criticized him. They would have torn him apart. The Bible says he did no sin. Neither was any guile found in his mouth, and they still crucified him. So don't you know that if he had not been doing what he was supposed to do, that would have been the first thing they found fault with him? So he was a tither, and he told the religious people, you should pay your tithe, but also be holy, be righteous, treat people right, do what you're supposed to do. So we are to sow our seed and attach our faith to it. Psalm 112 says, praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. So here's what I want us to do. We're in a 30-day tithe challenge. I probably ought to preach on tithing two, three, four times a year. I rarely do. We'll do one minute, two minutes sometimes before we receive an offering for new people that may not know or understand because there's three reasons people don't tithe. Number one, they don't know they're supposed to. You know. Number two, they're afraid to. They're afraid they can't pay their bills. Number three, they're rebellious. They just say, I'm not going to. I don't believe I have to. And there's a large majority of people in the world today and in this country that don't believe in tithe. They don't believe tithing is scriptural. They don't believe they have to, but it's clear. It's clear. Malachi 3, he said, well, a man robbed God. He only asked for a dime, and he says he gives us the power to get wealth, and he rebuked the seed eater for our sake. All the tithers that are in this house and that are watching online, you know that you would not stop tithing because you know the blessings of increase, the blessings of protection, the blessings that come the benefits that come with being a tither and a sower. Could I get an amen from tithers? It works. It works. 
I can't explain it. I don't really understand it. I just know it's a principle of the Lord. Again, I don't have time to cover as much as I would like to. I thought I would get more today, but it just, the time passes so fast. But it's seed, time, and harvest. So when you sow a seed, there's a period of time, and then the harvest comes. Here's what you need to know. We need to always, because there's seed, time, and harvest, we need to always have seed in the ground. If you have seed in the ground, you always have a harvest that is coming. Some harvests come in a few days, a few weeks, a few months. Some take years. But if you keep seed in the ground, you always have harvest on the way. So I learned a long time ago, I don't go into a church service anywhere. If I'm a guest somewhere else, anywhere, without putting seed in the ground. When I used to be on the road and preach and I was gone so much, I always took a seed and put it in the hands of the pastor before I preached. When I went there, I blessed that house. I blessed that pastor. I blessed that church. If I didn't get a dime, I was going to put seed. I was going to deposit seed. I was going to invest in that house because they had invited me to come. And God always took care of me. You cannot outgive God. It's covenant relationship. So as we close today, here's what I want you to understand. When we walk in the tithe covenant, you can expect all the benefits that God provides because of that covenant. Rebuking the seed eater for your sake. Not only will you receive more because in Luke 6, 38, he said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will men give to you? People will bring money. Like I said earlier, it comes to you from people. So when you are a tither, when you are a sower, increase will come into your hands so you can bless others. And you will move from the spirit of lack to the spirit of abundance. Would that help you? Would that help anybody here today? To get that revelation to move from lack to abundance, from not enough to more than enough, to decrease from decrease to increase. God wants you to increase. Does this help anybody? Amen. And please understand, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm not trying to, to get all your money. That's not the plan. God's trying to get money to us. But it's just like the seed in the farmer. If you don't put seed in the ground, you're not going to get a harvest. It's a principle. It works. So today, if you're not a tither, I want to challenge you to try it. I would say try it for 30 days. But if you don't have enough faith to try for 30 days, try it for one day. Try today. Whatever you got paid this week, write a check or give, an off, give, give a, a tithe. There are several ways to give, but, but give 10% from this week today. Try it one time. If you're not prepared to do it today, do it next Sunday. And there is, there is significance in paying your tithe first before you write anything else out because he destroys that spirit of the world off of the, the rest of it so that it goes further. If you wait to the end, you're not following his plan. There's plenty of places in Scripture where he talks about 
bringing it first. And he talks about first fruits, which is another kind of offering. I don't have time to go in today. But I want you to get your offering ready, get your tithe ready. And I'm going to pray for you. Just a minute, I want you to come and bring your tithe, bring your offering down here. If you give online, bring your phone and tap it on the basket as a symbolic action. I am giving. I'm being in obedience. I'm doing what God said to do. And I want to pray for you before you go today that the increase and the blessings and the abundance and the wealth that God has for you will start coming into your hands this year, in this new year, 2024. It's a new season. And we as the remnant... To fulfill what we have to fulfill, we have to have resources. You have to have resources. You cannot fulfill your destiny and your purpose without resources coming through your hands because there will be people that you will need to help. There'll be places and people that you need to help get to the next level. And if you have no resources and if you're broke, how can you do that? I didn't even have time today to talk about the kings in the scripture. God has prophets, priests, and kings. The kings are the ones that he uses to fund the kingdom. I don't know if you're a king or not, but I do know you were born to be a king. I've got a whole series on that. So get ready to give. I want to pray over your gift, and I want you to come, and I'm going to pray over you. Father, in Jesus' name. As everyone has heard this message and heard this word, those in this room, those online, those that may watch by television later, I pray, God, for their seed right now. I pray over them for their obedience. I pray, God, that they would get the revelation that you, want, that you have given them the power to get wealth and you want to bring increase into their hands. You want to meet every need. So, Father, speak to those now that have not been tithers, that have not been sowers. And let them take a step of faith and trust you for a covenant relationship with you so that they will no longer be defeated in their finances. We give you praise. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.